Hi, I'm Lesha Holzaffel, and you're listening to the Fit Mom Squad podcast, a podcast for moms who are ready to lose the weight they want without gaining it back by learning the holistic approach to nutrition and how our brains determine our long-term success. Welcome to the Fit Mom Squad. Today on the show, we have Danny. She is a sugar freedom coach and speaker. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. So I'm really excited to have you on because we're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects, which is sugar, (laughs) sugar and emotional eating and all that stuff that I think is just, there's so much that goes into it and it's becoming a big problem. Sugar is becoming a big problem. Well, it's already been a big problem. I think we're becoming more aware of it and there's so much that goes into it. So I love talking about all things sugar addiction and emotional eating. Before we get started, can you share your journey to sugar freedom? Because I think your journey is a little different than most people's. I found Annie from the Sugar Summit and I remember hearing about your journey and most people, they quit sugar because of like, weight reasons and because like they gain a lot of weight and your story isn't really like that. So can you share your story with our listeners today? Yeah, absolutely. And and thank you for asking that. That's such a good place to start. And uh, I love that we were able to connect and and you found me on the Quit Sugar Summit. (laughs) It was so great. Um, So my story, the Coles notes, because, uh, you know, I know we've got a lot that we want to dive into today. Um, And and it's funny that you say that, right? It is very different. I'm very, very grateful that somehow I knew that I needed to make a change before anything really dangerous happened with my health. Um, And it really started for me, you know, well, I've been addicted to sugar ever since I was a kid, ever since I was a child. And now that I'm aware of it, you know, I can look back and just laugh at the all of the sugar I ate. It was for every occasion. It was everywhere. I remember just like eating sugar cubes from the kitchen whenever my parents weren't looking and just all I ate for the first few years of my life was white foods. I always joke about that because I was such a picky eater as well. And all I ate were those white carbohydrates, which are just sugar. So I was no doubt a sugar addict and and it was part of, I mean, my whole family was. And, you know, I kind of went off to university, started, you know, as most young adults kind of start thinking about um, their, their health, or, you know, I started thinking about my body and, you know, wanting to make sure that I was still fit and look good as I got older. And, you know, all those things that kind of go through our mind as young women. And, um, so I, I thought I was eating healthy. I thought I was doing healthy and, you know, I was eating my, I was eating my quinoa and my kale and, you know, doing all the good things. Um, but what I didn't really see or pay attention to was, you know, obviously all of the sugar that I was still eating. It was, you know, in my, evening ice cream and the pizza and pasta and all the things that I used to think were, were quote unquote, real healthy food. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people might be able to relate. A lot of people, I think, have this misguided representation of what is like good, real food. Um, you know, and, and we think we're doing good having a salad that happens to be loaded with, you know, sugar in the salad dressing and all the dried fruit or whatever else we're adding on it. Um, so, you know, it was actually for my turning point for me, really realizing what I was doing to my body happened on a year long trip. Um, My husband and I had quit our jobs after university and traveled to South America for a year. And it was towards the end of the trip that I remember my body craving vegetables. After about actually nine months, um, I remember we were just not eating good. Uh, We were eating like travelers, just eating anything that came out of a package and not worrying about it. And we were still young and thin and you know, kind of didn't have 
that that thought connection yet between what we were eating and and you know where it was taking us and and we started kind of having that epiphany and it was actually at the very end of my trip that I was in the middle of the jungle um, and accidentally went through a sugar detox. So we'd been eating like junk um, and starting to feel really tired and just really kind of heavy and gross in, in, in my body. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, we can all kind of relate to that at some point in our lives. It happens. And uh, I went through about two week period where I was literally in the jungle and we were just eating off of the land. It was one of the most transformational experiences of my life. And one of the pieces that came out of that was a real awareness to the cravings and the addiction to sugar that I actually had. And I came home right after that, that period and, and um, was really motivated to, to get rid of this control that food and sugar mostly had over me. And I really went on an, on a journey for myself and, and it led me to, to starting my own business and wanting to, to help others with this in really getting clear that I had a problem with sugar and that if I didn't do something about it, it was going to kill me. So my motivation and to this day is really when I look at my genetic makeup and I look at my, especially my maternal side of my family um, and the lineage that I come from, it's riddled with every single chronic disease you can think of. Um, and I look at that, I look at my mom and her siblings and her parents who have just passed away last year. And I knew that if I kept eating the way that I was eating and really disregarding the actual importance of what we put in our mouths in terms of our long-term health, uh, that was going to be me. I was going to be sick. I was going to be immobile. I was going to be obese and have diabetes and cancer and all of it. Um, and I really, that was my motivation to really get a handle on that for myself and, and wanting to put a stop to, because we, we can do that. We can see things that we might be genetically predisposed to, but we can change so much of that with our diet and lifestyle. And, and that was kind of the epiphany that I had and realized that Number one, there was something that had control over me, which you know, just my personality, I don't like that. I don't like thinking someone else has control of me or something. So realizing that and then realizing and learning, the more I learned about sugar and how toxic it was, it was really a no brainer for me that I had to do something about it. And, you know, fast forward, I think that was about five years ago. And now I'm in this whole new place and relationship with food as well as with myself. And, um, you know, now I, I have sugar, I invite sugar into my life in moderation, uh, which I know we're going to get, get talking into, of course, mm -hmm. because I've done that deeper work that's allowed me to have that healthy relationship with it. So I know that was, that was probably long, but that's, that's the kind no. of those notes. <laughs> that was great. I think a lot of us can relate to that. And I, it's interesting what you said about the genetics, because I think that many people blame their genetics for, you know, the way that they are. Oh, it's in my genes or my mom was like that. Or my grandma was like that. And it's like, that just means that you have a greater chance. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen to you. Like yeah. we still have control of turning on and off our genes and epigenetics. And now we know that based on our lifestyle choices. So that is so powerful. We don't have to be sort of like in this mindset of like, Oh, I'm screwed because my genes suck. Yeah. So I love that you yeah. brought that up. So my question to you is why is giving up sugar so hard and why are we so attached to sugar? Oh boy. That's a big question. <laughs> that's the, that's the big question, right? Yeah. So there's so many things going on and right off the bat, 
Um, I wholeheartedly believe sugar addiction is hands down the worst addiction to overcome. Um, and you know, I have a lot of friends and people in my life who've been addicted to real hard drugs and they say the same thing. Um, and it's so hard because for many reasons, number one, it's everywhere, right? It's cheap. It's fast. It's in your face. It's culturally accepted, right? Anyone at any way age can eat it at any meal. I mean, you would never, you know, offer a baby a drink at breakfast, right? Like it's everywhere. It's accepted. Um, it's, it's a slow killer, right? When we think of addictions and things that are bad for us, it's, it, it really takes years to develop disease or to die from, you know, diet related things. So a lot of people kind of then put it to the back of their mind and don't worry about it as intensely, even though it, it should be looked at that way. Um, you know, it's, it's built into every social situation. I mean, the, and this is a whole rabbit hole we could get down maybe another day, maybe we'll have to do another podcast already, but you know, the connection that we have in terms of the people in our lives and the situations in our lives, you know, whether it's work or birthday parties or, um, also people. Tomorrow's 4th of July in America. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of sugar everywhere. (laughs) Exactly. Right. And you couldn't, you couldn't think of 4th of July or here in Canada, we actually just had Canada day two days ago. So, you know, you wouldn't think about that without these, these treats and these things. Um, and a lot of it comes down to the way we relate to food, which is, I think where we're going to probably take this interview. Right. But the real depth behind why it's so hard to give up sugar and why we're so attached to it on a very deep level is for most of us, it's become our best friend. So for most of us, food it has always been there for us. It's always, it's never talked back. You know, whenever we've been lonely or um, needed someone, food was always there. Sugar was always there to, to quote unquote comfort us. Um, the other piece that I think uh, I'm really, really inspired to talk about because I see this more and more uh, when I work with more and more clients is that when it comes to our relationship with sugar, most of it boils down to a need for joy, love and connection. So there's three vital human nutrients. And this is why this whole pandemic that we're going through right now just is scares me because, you know, people are dealing with a lot less joy already, a lot less love, a lot less connection, real connection. And when we don't have those vital nutrients, I call them, um, you know, we, we turn to something that's going to feel like it gives us those feelings which ties into the emotional piece. So I believe that sugar, you know, is, is the worst addiction to overcome because of the emotional component behind it. And not just sugar, it's really comes down to our relationship with food, any food, it can come out in any way. Um, and I love, I'm actually reading uh, the book by Janine Roth, woman, food and God book. And it reminded me, I love that book. Do you know that? I have, book? The, I have it. <laughs> it's on my nightstand as we speak. And I'm almost oh, like, I got like, one more, like a few more chapters left. Uh, That's incredible. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Right. And, and how she really, and this really hit home for me and it's exactly, you know, this is our, our, you know, behaviors around food, what we eat, how we eat, when we eat is just a symptom of our inner selves. It's a symptom of our inner. And this is what I'm seeing with my clients, our inner beliefs about ourselves. So, mm-hmm. And our, you know, emotional connection as well to the food. So for instance, you know, right from childhood, we link sugar to love, to connection, to nourishment, you know, right when we're breastfeeding from our mom, right? We start making those emotional connections to sugar. And as we grow up through life, every single emotion gets connected to sugar. We're happy, 4th of July, we're going to celebrate sugar, right? We're, we're sad, sad, sugar. 
Sugar. Right. Yeah. Right. You're depressed. Sugar. We're stressed. I mean, look at everything that's going on right now in the world. I mean, everybody at home gaining weight, being stressed and uh, with everything that's going on and, you know, and just turning to food for that comfort and that, that quote unquote stress relief. And um, it's really getting us in, in, you know, in a dangerous spot, you know, obviously the weight gain is one of the first things that people notice, but there's a lot more going on in the inside. So um, that, and then the other piece of the emotional component and why we're so attached to sugar is really this, um, we have unfortunately not been given the tools or being supported by society. And I, I know this is North America. I know that in, in Europe, in most countries, uh, wherever you're listening to this, we, we're taught continually through life to, that it's not okay or it's useless to feel uncomfortable emotions. So we're taught to numb out. So when we're stressed or when we're sad or, you know, you're crying as a child, your mom's coming over saying, oh, hush, hush, stop crying. Let's go get some ice cream. And right in that moment, we're taught it's not okay to cry. It's not okay to feel sad. I need to get out of it as quick as possible. Oh, and I'm going to do that with sugar. So now we're adults. There's this numbing out pattern happening all over. And this is at the root of any addiction. It's it not feeling like you're safe or you're okay to, to feel grief or to feel depressed or to feel anxious, right? Any of these emotions that feel really uncomfortable in the body, um, we, we have this tendency because we're not used to that feeling to run away, to escape. And the easiest, quickest, you know, most socially acceptable way to do that is, is with sugar, just to have some food, get a quick dopamine hit and, you know, quote unquote, ignore or stuff down um, that emotion instead of actually letting it flow through us and, um, and, and moving forward in a healthy way. So there's a lot around the emotional piece. And obviously I'm really passionate about this right now. I'm, I'm in the middle, halfway through a six week program I'm guiding women through right now around diving into this emotional stuff. And it's just, it's really at the root of all of this. I know so many people talk about sugar and maybe you've had someone come on here before and talk about sugar addiction and, and getting off of it. And so many people make the mistake of just wanting to give up sugar, wanting to get off of, off of the stuff and just doing a 30 day detox, like just going, you know, doing a couple, you know, thinking that that's going to be the solution, just getting it out of your diet for 90 days or maybe a year um, without actually doing the deeper work around this emotional connection and around, you know, the joy, the love, the, the, the real root for so many of us and coming back, like I said, to, to our, the, the very inner work of really loving ourselves and feeling worthy. And uh, like Janine Ross says in her book too, right? Like that, that deeper work then spills out into our relationship with food. So I hope that makes sense. It's funny that you say like doing a detox or going like 90 days or a year. I'm actually doing a year without sugar myself. <laughs> but you know what? I'm confident you're also doing the deeper work. Yeah. But here's right? the, so here's the thing about doing like a year without sugar where you commit to, okay, my goal for 2020, instead of being some like, you know, cliche, I want to lose 10 pounds. I was like, I want to give up sugar because I truly had a problem with sugar. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this for a year. You know, everyone around me is like, yeah, right. You're crazy. With giving up sugar, I had to do the deeper work because situation, oh my gosh, I've had so many situations come up where I wanted to reach for sugar so bad. And I had to stop myself and think, why? Why do I want to reach for sugar? What is really going on here? What am I trying to kind of uh, mask, you know, with the sugar? 
And because I know, I know myself when I set out to a goal and I tell the world, like I told my Instagram, this is real, right? Happening. (laughs) So I can't go break it now. So obviously I can't eat the sugar. So how am I going to deal with what is causing me to want to eat the sugar? And through that is where the healing comes. But the problem is most people, their mindset is, oh, I'm going to do this detox, this 10-day, 30-day detox. They, they just do it to give up sugar. They don't really do any of the emotional work. And then after the 30 days, they relapse and they go back and nothing's really changed. Mine is, okay, they didn't have sugar for 30 days. Maybe they lost a few pounds, but they're probably going to yeah. gain it if they go back to sugar. Yeah. And yeah. here's the thing about feelings. We weren't taught how to deal with feelings in school. Mm-mm. And I don't know about your parents, but my parents sure as heck didn't teach me about feelings. They were almost mm-hmm. like, you know, suck it up, buttercup, like yeah. deal with like, no, none of that. Right. And, and again, like I have kids and I'm really paying attention to how am I dealing with their emotions like when they're sad, when they're frustrated, when they're angry, it's like automatically, it's almost, I want to automatically say, well, oh, how can I make you feel better with this or that, or this make you feel better? Where I'm like, no, that's not how, this is like not how I should be raising them. It's instead, it's okay to be sad. Why are you sad? Do you want to talk to me about it? I mean, they're only four and two. So the two-year-old, she's just like, I don't know what you're talking about. But the four-year-old, <laughs> she's like starting to understand. And she tells me like, I'm sad. I feel sad. Or, and she's already thinking like, oh, I want this or that. And I'm like, well, it's okay to be sad. That, mm-hmm. you know, we're not meant to be happy 100% of the time as humans. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the important is. piece. Yeah, that's the important piece is that we've, we've all, most of us have been raised, you know, in society pushes this in showing us that like, it's not okay to feel these, you know, list, list the uncomfortable emotion, right? Like, it's not okay. It's not something you should feel, right? So then we start feeling like, why am I stressed all the time? And we start beating ourselves up for feeling sad or feeling, you know, anxious or any of these heavy emotions. And I think that that's beautiful that you're doing that with your kids, because that's where it starts, right? And supporting and helping them form the belief that it's okay. And it's actually healthy to feel these, you know, quote unquote negative. I don't like using that term because they're useful emotions. They're, they have a purpose Um, on a daily basis. I always share this with my, with my, you know, with my clients, like I go through all the emotions every day, not all of them, but I'm not, you know, happy and joyful all day, every day. You know, I always have bouts of overwhelm or stress or sometimes my anxiety comes in or I'll feel sad for a minute if something happens or I hear a sad story. Like, all throughout the day, it's, it's a roller coaster. And that's part of being human. And I think we, we have this preconceived like dream that we should always just be happy and joyful. And that's just not human existence. So I think the sooner we can realize that it's actually important to feel those other emotions and to have that contrast and to, to support them in processing through us instead of just putting a lid on it and hoping it goes away. So I love that you're doing that with your kids. I like that you say they're just emotions. They're not necessarily good or bad. And that is very powerful and also very hard to grasp (laughs) because (laughs) we have associated stress, overwhelm, sadness, anxiety, all those things with bad feelings. And they're just, they're feelings. They're just different feelings and it's okay to have them. And I think that kind of changes things around when knowing like, these are really bad. They're just the way I'm feeling right now. So that's, that's really powerful. Wow. Yeah. So when it, I'm going to pivot here and 
uh, ask you about um, the difference between someone that is addicted to sugar and someone that just has a sugar problem. Because like I know myself, and I think for the longest time, I was in denial that I had a sugar addiction. I just, because again, we're all afraid to use that word because we associate it with totally. drugs. Again, bad, it's so bad. Totally. And, and it's not, you know, and, but I think I was in denial and I was just like, well, I just love sugar. I just love sweets. It tastes so good. I just want to always mm -hmm. eat it nonstop mm -hmm. until the whole bag of Reese's is gone. Right. Yeah. So what is the difference between those two? Yeah. Great question. Great question. And I was thinking about this a little bit. I've thought about this. Um, I've had this question asked to me before and what really comes up for me is like the difference would just be a level of maybe feeling of control or like a level of intensity, like someone who's really, you know, finally, you know, gets to the place where they say, you know, I'm addicted to sugar. There's, there's a real pull, like there's a real not being able to make it the day without sugar, not being able to, you know, a real um, control over their actions and their lifestyle and not being able to obviously stop, you know, wanting to eat the whole Reese's. Um, whereas someone who's maybe abusing it, uh, maybe doesn't notice it as, as, in your face. Like maybe the control isn't as intense, right? And maybe you can accidentally go a day without sugar, but then you're back on it and you're still using it to cope. But really at the base of it, I think that, you know, what's actually going on under in behind the scenes, as we're talking about with the emotional piece, the, the inner work, I don't think there's a difference. I think when someone is either, you know, abusing food or addicted to food or anything, really, there's still the same underlying um, imbalances going on, whether it's, you know, this habits or propensity for, you know, emotional numbing out, um, like that deeper work that you're so wonderfully diving in and, and checking in with yourself, but like our relationship with food, whether it's extreme and addiction, you know, we can use the word addiction, or it's just kind of, um, you know, an abuse or a non-healthy space, um, they're still rooted in the same, like, issue. The foundation is still, like coming back into what's really going on. Like, what are you really craving in that moment? What is really happening when you're reaching for food? Um, and I think that's, that's the piece that no matter where you are on the scale of how addicted to sugar you are, I think is, is hopefully one of the biggest takeaways, like to really just come back and, and realize that this inner work, your mindset, your beliefs, we, haven't, we were going to, we were kind of going down that rabbit hole, but I just want to say two seconds on beliefs. Like a lot of this is our beliefs our beliefs about ourselves and our beliefs about what it means to feel an uncomfortable emotion. Like, what does it mean about me if I'm stressed all day today? What does it mean about me if I'm sad all day today or if I'm anxious? Like, what do we make these emotions mean? Um, and this all just comes down to our beliefs. And I know actually you and I, we have the same business mentor um, and he has helped me do a lot of shifts around my Oh my beliefs. God, yes. James, just shout out to blowing. James Wedmore. James. Oh my God, <laughs> not even kidding. Since I joined that program, my beliefs about myself, not even like outside of business, have completely changed. Like money, I had the worst beliefs about money. I had the worst beliefs of what I could achieve based on like my childhood and how I was raised. Like all this BS that I didn't even realize. I was like, this was holding me back my whole life. And totally. sadly, so many people never get that revelation. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. He's made a huge difference for me too. And now I'm carrying that work that I've done for myself into my clients and I'm seeing like all of these 
you know, our, our addictions or relationship with food in whatever food it is, sugar or otherwise, you know, really come down to these beliefs that we have even about food, beliefs about food or beliefs about, um, you know, eating and beliefs about even being in the kitchen, beliefs about what it means when we overeat, right? Or when it means, what does it mean about us if we accidentally sit down and eat a whole box of cookies, right? Um, or what does it mean about us when we admit we're sugar addicts, right? So it really comes down to these beliefs and this is the inner work that we're talking about. And, and obviously that, that takes some work to get out of, but it's possible. I mean, you and I have done it in our business and I can relate to the, the money bit. I've done a lot of work around that for myself too. Um, and it really transfers into everything. I mean, I think how we function in the world and how we um, really take on, you know, our, our lives comes down to what we believe about ourselves and about the world around us. And uh, those can be changed. I those agree. Can- They're very powerful because it's what holds you back. You're kind of like trapped in your own head. If you have all these limiting beliefs about yourself, about, you know, your life, career, business, anything, you're just trapped in your own head until you break through, like realize that these are limiting beliefs. They're not true. And you get past them. But then there's also the brain side of it, right? Because when it comes to sugar addiction, like I feel like we can't talk about sugar addiction without talking about the brain. My other absolute favorite subject. (laughs) I dive into the brain really deep inside my membership, BSB Tribe, because I think it's so important for us to understand how the brain works, how habits form, how we become addicted, how we become you know, we, we crave that dopamine hit. So can you talk about that cycle and why it's so hard to give up sugar once you start eating sugar and why when you eat it, you want even more? Oh, yes. And you know what? It's awesome. I love that you, you dive deep into the brain and you've probably learned a lot more than me. Um, the brain's so not really like a it's passion like my of mine. my favorite subject ever. <laughs> oh my God. It's like so fascinating. It is fascinating. To me. Yeah. I've been diving a lot just personally into my own mindset, my own, like how that all works. It's fascinating. So yes, I'm glad that you brought that up. Cause that is part of, you know, the question you asked me earlier too. And I just got so excited to talk about the emotional piece. Cause that is, I think the biggest piece for most people, mm-hmm. there is absolutely a physical addiction going on. Um, when we eat sugar, um, you know, I know there's studies out there comparing it to cocaine and being just as addictive as co- cocaine. Um, there's a couple things going on physically. Um, we could also just touch on the gut quickly because the gut is a huge link obviously to, to our mind and, and, and how we work. And we know that now, I mean, research is starting to catch up and the, it's like the second brain guys. It is the second say brain. Say it all the time. Yeah. It's the second and, brain. We can't ignore it. <laughs> Don't forget about your gut. Um, and yeah, this is a total side note. We, we're not going to go down this tangent, but this is why I'm terrified with all the antibacterial, everything that's happening now, because we're wreaking havoc on our gut, um, with, with all of this fear of germs. Yeah. Um, and I get it. It's, it's a tricky one right now, but, um, what happens in the gut is there's this balance of bacteria going on in there. And I know a lot of people just kind of talk about good bacteria and bad bacteria. And that's kind of the simple way to put it. But, um, the bacteria that we don't want overgrowing in our gut lives on sugar. So when we, when we've damaged our gut through overuse of antibacterial, everything and antibiotics and just a lifetime of stress and all these things that damage our gut, that bacteria becomes unbalanced and the, the, the quote unquote bad bacteria feeds on sugar. So that's actually one of the sources of physical cravings is those bacteria in your gut are actually yelling at your brain saying, feed me sugar. Um, And we're going, okay, it tastes good. I'll do it. So that's, that's a piece that a lot of people don't realize as well. It could be stemming from the gut. If you have an overgrowth of, you know, know most people are familiar with candida. There's lots of other bacterial overgrowth too that can take place that really can cause those. 
I'm really glad you said that because I actually almost forgot about the gut. And that is like <laughs> so big because that is one of the reasons why I decided to give it up also because I had taken, I did, um, like I got my gut tested, my microbiome tested. Yeah. And I found out that I had like yeast overgrowth and too much bad bacteria. And then I did research into it. And this was like last year, I put my stress just kind of catapulted into everything. And yeah. one of the things that kept like, kept coming up was sugar and how it feeds the bad bugs. And that was another motivator for me to really give up sugar. So I'm so glad that you mentioned the gut because that's something that like, I forget to associate with sugar, but it's such a big deal. So go on. Sorry. That's a big one. No, that's so awesome. I love that. I love that that was a motivator for you. And it just called into my memory too, to share that um, I, I travel a lot to quote unquote questionable countries. I mean, not right now. I'm not um, last time, last time, um, um, winter, I was away in Guatemala and I got a bad parasite and I chose to fight it hundred percent naturally. So I just like got rid of all like, and I did it and I killed the parasite. So most people wow. think we get these, these bugs or these parasites and we have to use antibiotics. And mm-hmm. I, and I'm really on the natural side and I was like, heck no, I'm going to fight this myself. And so, you know, getting out, getting rid of sugar was a big piece of that sugar and, and dairy and I dairy, cut out a bunch of things. Yeah. alcohol, obviously and all the things. Yeah. Yeah. So I just got real simple and, and, and fought it. So anyway, side note, we we're just talking about bacteria, but it's powerful. Yeah, the power of what we eat, um, and just proof of these things in any elimination diet that you're like cutting out, right. Whether it's to, if you want to fight a, um, oh, raw garlic, that was a big key for fighting my parasite. But anyway, <laughs> um, you know, it's good to know my parents out. love garlic. They just like eat it by the cloves. They're oh, Ukrainian. So, so it's like, ah. garlic. here's all, it's like the, the Windex of like the, my big fat Greek wedding. That is yes. like garlic and onions is to my parents. It's like, so, so disgusting. good. So and they're eating it raw. Yeah. Just like oh. raw. Uh, I'm like, wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, what, that's what I did. It was horrible. It was a two week and like, quote unquote, garlic antibiotics that I did. And I did, I think I ate three cloves for two weeks or something like that. And wow. yeah, it was, I had to learn how to get that down. Yeah. <laughs> get the raw garlic down. Uh, I'm a garlic lover, but raw, that's just next level. So good right. for your parents. They're going to have yeah. strong immune systems, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so back to the brain. The what's, what's going on there is when, when we eat sugar and when we eat, especially you know, I know there's lots of definitions out there of sugar, but when we're eating, when I say sugar, I'm talking about those quick carbohydrates that are either converting right away to sugar or are straight, you know, if you're saying having white table sugar or honey or maple syrup or any of these things that are either glucose or fructose or a mix of the two, um, they're going straight into, say, down through our gut, absorbed into the bloodstream and straight to the liver. Um, and what actually, one of the things that's at play and, and um, maybe your audience already knows this already, I know you already know this because you've done your research, right? Is that when um, our body has a, sort of an overload of glucose, which our cells can use for energy, um, but when our cells are full and the body doesn't have anywhere to put it because we're just keep stuffing it in, it actually just accumulates as excess fat in the liver and actually stores in the liver. And this is where you're seeing, uh, we're seeing a huge, huge rise of anti, you know, um, what's it called? Non-alcoholic. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Anti-alcohol liver disease, whatever. <laughs> we'll call it whatever. Yeah, yeah, like people who don't drink getting fatty liver disease and having really, really, you know, getting that spare tire just around the stomach, right? That's because all of the sugar is going straight and being processed in your, in your liver right away. And it's gathering obviously around the tummy first. And then what's happening is it's, you know, sending a signal, um, you know, stimulating, you know, there's obviously things going on with insulin and we don't have to get all sciencey. But what's happening in the brain is that your 
dopamine centers and your like your pleasure centers are getting fired and getting triggered. And one of the big problems with sugar is that it is, and actually any drug, I mean, this is like any addiction, any addictive drug does this. It fires your dopamine centers, which are kind of, and your other like happy hormone, right? You know, when you're kind of on a sugar high, you feel great for like a minute until you don't. Right. Um, right. <laughs> literally like a this, minute. Yeah, literally, right? The crash. Who's had a crash before? Okay, we all have. Um, you know, it, it stimulates that at such a huge high, like say there's a, there's a scale, I think there is scientifically, right? Like it, it blasts those hormones and that like really, really heavy stimulation. Whereas like our body naturally gets dopamine hits. We naturally get happy hormone hits throughout the day. You know, talking to a good friend, walking in nature, cuddling your cat. That's my dopamine hug time. Hit. You know, hug our time. family Thank started you. doing hug time from trolls. And I'm like, Hey, this is the way that I get my dopamine now because I don't need sugar. I need my hug yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. But see, so what's happening is these, when we're eating, you know, things like sugar or any other addictive, you know, huge dopamine spiking food or, you know, activity, our body and our brain is starting to get used to this really crazy high level of dopamine. And these regular dopamine level activities, like hug time with your friend, with your family or um, other things that on a normal, for a normal, you know, person who's not on that, you know, huge hit, um, those things become less stimulating. So now you're addicted to sugar, you're used to this like huge hit. And now when you go for a walk in nature or have fun with your family, it doesn't give you the same sense of, this is amazing, the same happiness, the same stint, because your brain chemistry has been changed. You're used to this level and you're now you're doing activities down here. So then your, your brain is craving more. It's saying, no, 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 we need, we need some more dopamine. We need something more. So let's top that up with sugar, right? Like let's give me another big hit of what's going on. Um, so when we, you know, we, we get that hit and then it comes down and we start crashing, you know, our body wants that hit again to get back up to that level. It's just the sort of a chemical imbalance that's starting to be created. And, you know, our brain chemistry is, is actually changing as we, you know, as we continue living that lifestyle, if we're eating and eating and eating and every single day, every single meal and snack, you know, having that huge blast. Um, and it's doing a lot of damage to, to that center in the brain and, and also to like the balance between normal dopamine giving activities um, that uh, that was something that I really noticed when I kind of, I mean, obviously hugely cut back on sugar and got over my addiction was now I got more joy. Like I actually got that feeling of, of joy more from simple things from the things that, that, you know, are natural dopamine, you know, hitting things. So. Yeah. How yeah. our brains are supposed to normally work. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <But> we've hijacked <laughs> them with all these substances. So you mentioned that, you went through your own sugar journey and now you, you have a healthy relationship with sugar. I want to know what you think about the difference between being an abstainer and a moderator. Mm -hmm. And if, if that is a thing, like, what are your thoughts on that? Because some people say that once they've given up sugar and if they're truly a sugar addict, they can never go back to sugar again. Because mm -hmm. as soon as they have it, it triggers everything and it's like they relapse and all of that. Whereas other people say, once you've given up sugar to the fact that you've, de you've dealt with why you had a sugar problem in the first place, like all the emotional stuff that we were talking about, then you can maybe bring it back in moderation. Um, everything in moderation, it's funny, I saw this quote the other day, everything in moderation 
but moderation. But <laughs> moderation. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, love that question. That's so, so good. So um, my wholehearted belief, and there's a, there's a couple things because it really does depend. First of all, everybody's different. Every single one of us is so unique and different. And this is a journey to be gone on for you, you know, listening individually and really paying attention to what works for you and what doesn't. But I wholeheartedly believe that even a lot of those people who say, you know, I can never go back to sugar, haven't done all of the deeper work. I think when we actually get down and dirty with ourselves and do a lot of inner shifts, heal past traumas, really clear out those old beliefs, really, really doing all of that, I think that there, most of us can have a healthy relationship with food and sugar. Um, that being said, there's absolutely people out there who maybe through years of you know abuse with sugar, maybe through genetic issues, um, there may be an actual permanent, you know, chemical imbalance or, um, you know, especially insulin and blood sugar issues that maybe um, are preventing you from, from having that moderation relationship, right? Um, so there is, a, I believe, a small population that, that does fall in that realm that maybe, maybe they can never have sugar again. Um, but I wholeheartedly believe that if you actually do deep dive and take maybe even years to do the actual behind the scenes work, which takes a lot, it takes time and effort. And a lot of people don't want to spend time and effort. So they ignore that stuff. Right. And then they just think, Oh, well, I must be one of those people that can never have it again. Um, and I don't believe that to be true. I believe there's always some, some of that deeper work. There's always deeper digging to do. Um, and even me five years in, you know, I continue to uncover pieces of my relationship with food that I didn't know before, or that are holding me back or, um, you know, I'm still learning. I think it's still, still a journey, but I've, I believe for most of us, we can have that, that freedom when it comes to food and be able to have something like have a cookie and not guilt ourselves and not shame ourselves and not have it totally spiral you into eating the whole box of cookies. Um, and feeling just when there's no attachment to food, when we've done that inner work, when there's no, like, I need that or craving, it's just a, a choice from a place of control and a place of self-love, then like, I think that that happy, healthy moderation is absolutely possible. But for some, it might not be. And it really, like coming back to what I first said, it really is an individual journey. I always encourage my clients. I have a lot of clients kind of, you know, come to me saying, I don't know if I can never have it again. And I say, okay, let's, let's try it. Let's try this, this process. And I actually have a program that I'm starting again in September where um, I guide everyone through that process to get to sugar freedom that I call sugar freedom. Um, and if you're still not ready, if you're still feeling like there's, there's, um, you know, a disconnect in, in having a little bit of sugar and it's still not feeling quite like you can do that yet, then, you know, stay off it, then try again later or, or figure that out for you. And it, it's, it's hard to say it's not black and white for anyone. It's really a journey to, to test it out. Um, and maybe you need a year. Like, I think a year is an amazing amount of time because that is going to force you to do the deeper work. Um, I think for a month, it's easy to just ignore, right? A 30 day mm -hmm. detox or yeah. even a three month detox. It's easy to just say, well, I'm just going to stick with it and right. not be forced to do that deeper work. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping that if anything from, from this podcast and listening, you're going to be more, um, you know, willing to do that deeper work and to start just looking at your beliefs, looking at your values, looking at where your mind is around, um, and why asking yourself those questions. I think, you know, 
who is it that says, is it Tony Robbins? I think that says like the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your questions. I know James always says, yeah, he always says, I don't know if it was Tony Robbins, maybe everything Tony Robbins says them all. (laughs) He says all the quotes. I don't know. He says all the quotes. (laughs) They all just get re re like (laughs) everyone just says all the quotes. Yeah. I, I agree. I think it is pretty individual. Um, I personally, I'm curious about myself, like how I will be like, if after the year goes, am I just going to continue? Am I going to maybe try to, you know, bring it back once in a while for special occasion? Cause here's the thing. Anytime you start thinking about nevers, it, it's, it's, you don't want to go down that hole. Dangerous. Like, thinking about never, ever telling someone, right. If you have a sugar problem, you can never have sugar again. That's scary to think about a life without right. any sugar. I mean, Right. Come on. I mean, New York City, they have the best yeah. cookies, Levine Bakery. I don't think I could, and we like to go there every year for our anniversary. I don't, I mean, I can deal with it with this year, but yeah. for the rest of my life. So I think not thinking about it and as a way that like, it's not that you'll never have it. It's that you're trying to heal your relationship with food and figure out why you rely on it so much mm-hmm. to deal with all the things that are going on in mm-hmm. your life and to kind of get your brain out of that addictive cycle of consuming it. So I yeah. think that's great. So for someone mm-hmm. that wants to start their journey on getting sugar freedom, I know you said you had a program, but what are some tips that you can give our moms that are listening that may be mm-hmm. struggling with sugar where can they start working on that relationship? Mm, love it. First things first, get yourself a journal. Get yourself a journal that you love and start asking yourself some of these deeper questions. Um, you know, we can all be our own coach. Absolutely. Like, you know, we've had lots of questions even come up today, but at awareness is hands down the first place to start, right? Really getting honest with yourself you know, what is going on with your relationship with food? When do you notice that you're eating more or why are your cravings coming up? Just checking in with yourself with curiosity. So this is the reminder I always send everyone, all my clients is curiosity. Everything has to be come at from that angle, not guilt, not shame, not getting down on yourself for binging again. It's that curiosity of, okay, well, why did I binge last night? Like what was going on for me? Was I in an emotional state? Was I trying to numb out? Um, So really any of those kind of awareness, curious questions that you can ask yourself is hands down like square one to to get started with. Um, The second piece with kind of square one part B would be education, right? So just listening to this podcast hopefully was really informative to you but continue that. There's a ton of amazing documentaries. I mean, I have a YouTube channel too. I've got lots of videos on my Facebook page, which I'll share in a minute, I'm sure. Um, you can Google around, um, do your research on, on sugar. Um, and that was for me, that was a huge piece of motivating me. And it sounds like for you too, when you started learning about you know, the gut bacteria and all that, we start learning all these things. You can't unlearn. You can't unlearn them. Yeah, you can um, only and- be in denial for so long. Once you oh. know, you know. <laughs> You know, right? And then you're like, oh boy, I know too much. Um, And then you have to do something about it. So, you know, between like really going on an inquisitive, curious journey, playing investigator in your own relationship with food, get a favorite journal, like I said, that you love, and then commit yourself. Maybe it's once a week, you sit down and like learn something new about sugar or, uh, you know, watch a new documentary or 
do something that helps sort of build that education so you can understand what's actually going on in your body. I know for me, that was a really big help in kind of getting me ready and motivated to do that. Um, and, and also education around like new ways of cooking. I think this is a big block for a lot of people. It's like, well, I can't cook without sugar. It was like when I, when I went, I, I did about a year vegetarian and I was like, well, what am I supposed to cook? Like, there's no meat on my plate. What am I going to do? And uh, it was just a learning a new skill. It was learning about all the new ingredients that I didn't even know existed out there. It's funny when I started eating real whole foods instead of packaged stuff, I realized there's a whole bunch of foods that I had like were not in my consciousness before. I had no idea that they even existed. Um, and when I started looking for them, it just blew wide open. So that would be another piece to really get started would be, you know, try, try a new recipe, like try a sugar-free recipe. Um, I have some up on my blog. I have cookbooks for sale too, if you want somewhere to start. Um, but you know, just, just even once a week, it's like meatless Mondays, right? Try sugar-free, you know, Saturdays or something yeah. like that, right? Well, yeah, exactly. I, that's what I tell my clients. I'm like, just start slow. Like if you consume sugar every single day and you really have a problem with it, see if you can like cut it out for like a few days or, you know, reduce your soda intake or stuff like that instead. Cause I feel like some people, they do well with cold Turkey if they have a deep why. The problem is a lot of us don't have a deep why. So if you don't have a deep why, but you see, you know that sugar's bad for you and you gain this weight and stuff, then slowly just like cutting, like start cutting it out. And then, you know, you can kind of wean yourself out of it. But yeah, that's a great, that's a great point yeah. there. So to wrap up, there's a few questions that I always ask my, uh, the people that I interview. One thing is if there was a message that you could put out there into the world about sugar freedom and emotional eating, what would that message be? Mm. Oh, there's so many. I think it would be, it would have to be that it's healthy and important to feel all the emotions. I think that's really what it comes up to be. That's a great message. And what is one of your favorite books that you read recently? Ah, the one we talked <laughs> or, about. Oh yeah. Okay. That one. I know you mentioned that one or just in general in your life, like a book that you really love that kind of just like changed everything for you. Yeah. Okay. So right up, like gut instinct, right. Comes up for me there uh, other than woman, food and God that we're, we're both reading right now. I'm almost done too. Um, right. When I started my whole journey with food, um, Michael Pollan's in defense of food, um, that was a really powerful book for me that just opened my eyes. I have it. I haven't read it in years. It's probably been four or five years since I read it, but I remember that one being very pivotal for me. Um, so highly recommend that one too. Yeah. I think I read that one years ago too, because it sounds really familiar, but it's been so long, but it's a great <laughs> one. I'll have to look back into that. I love reading. So I love asking people what their favorite books are. Okay. okay so where can our listeners find you? Let us know about your program. Um, your Instagram, Facebook, your website and all of that. Okay. All, all the, the things. things. Yes. Amazing. Thank you. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me and everyone listening to this. I would love to hear from you. I love getting messages. I love answering questions. I love, I was so passionate about supporting women through this process. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, my website is danielledame.com. My last name is spelled D-A-E-M. It's a weird one. I'm sure you'll link it up everywhere. So you <laughs> don't have to miss it up. Um, so danielledame.com. And I've got a blog there and resources, um, some free downloads as well. You can find there. Um, my Instagram is at danielledame. And I'm the same on Facebook as well, at danielledame. 
Um, and then the program that I was talking about, I'm, I'm hosting my most powerful transformational program starting in September. It's actually been two years since I've hosted it. It's called the Break Free from Sugar. Um, it's a group program. It's a very small, intimate group, and it's a 10-week step-by-step through all of this deeper work that we talked about today, plus the sugar detox in the middle, like actually going off of it is an important piece of the journey, and then rebuilding that new relationship with sugar. So it's this whole... Everything I do with my one-on-one clients kind of condensed into more of a structured 10-week um, program that I'm just so excited to host. It's it's literally my favorite way of, of working with clients. And um, I've had a lot of, I know a lot of your listeners are mothers. I've had a lot of mothers go through there. And even just making this change for um, yourself in any family unit. And I love that you're doing this for you and your your kids because it so spills over. And I've seen it. I love working with moms because it just automatically affects the children, right? When you're not using sugar for rewards anymore and you're eating healthier and there's more healthy options in the home and it's it's really uh, heartwarming to see the trickle down. So um, but anyway, yeah, so that's taking place in, in September and right now I'm just kind of hopping on calls and uh, I think we're about 50% full already <laughs> for that, which is exciting. So if you're interested, just reach out. Uh, I'll tell you more uh, for the more of that, but I'm just so grateful to have been here today. This was incredible. I want to just keep chatting for hours. I know. We'll definitely have to have you back on and talk about some like deeper emotional stuff, but we will leave all of those show uh, links in the show notes. And I just want to thank you for coming on. This has just been such a great interview. And I think our listeners are going to get a lot from it. Amazing. I hope so. Yes. And thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mom Squad podcast. If you liked today's episode, make sure to leave me a review on iTunes and share this podcast with your friends on social media. Don't forget to tag me at BSB Tribe. If you want even more resources, make sure to go to www.bsbtribe.com and head on over to a private community on Facebook, Fit Mom Squad, so that you can get connected with other moms who are crushing their health goals. I can't wait to see you on the inside. Until next time, keep focused on your goals, mama.